Well, good morning, everybody. Did I, I, I know you're already awake, so they adjusted me. Hey, you know, I want to thank Chad for the variety of music that we hear each and every week. Thank you, Chad. I, I really appreciated the violin and the penny whistle this morning, didn't you? Made us feel like we were in medieval times, you know, and it was kind of very comforting, encouraging, and the, the words of the songs. It was so wonderful to hear all of you singing. You all awake. Thank you. Now, I will not put you to sleep, I promise, this morning. Now, let me just say a number of things. Number one, this last Monday and Tuesday, the Edge, okay, the Edge Women's Christmas Party was held, and I, want to make, I wanted to make sure I said that correct, but they did it Monday and Tuesday, and let's show a, a clipping of them. Uh, Dave, I know I got ahead of you, and so these gals put this, thing, uh, this show on, it gave the gospel, did a great job. For those of you who didn't, didn't come, the theme was Grandma Got Ran Over by a Reindeer. The reindeer did a lot of damage, I'm telling you. But they had a great time. The gospel was presented. A lot of people brought their family and friends, and so it was a wonderful time of fellowship, but also hearing the gospel. The other thing, too, is what we did is we have a, had a drive-by for, our, uh, peop- for people that we support in the ministry locally, and uh, we had uh, a bus filled with a number of things. We had a trailer filled with a number of things. Uh, people kept bringing pillows for the Christian Care Center. I think we gave them 35 pillows or something like that. And so, uh, but we were able to support them and that was a wonderful, wonderful uh, event. Um, The other thing too is we're going to open in prayer here in a minute, but uh, we need to thank God for all that we have. But then also we want to pray for our nation. Our nation's going through a lot of different things, you know. Uh, I mean, there's ups and downs as far as our nation's concerned. Would you agree with me on that? The other thing, just the other night, uh, the rain came. I heard thunder and lightning. But then I saw on the news that tornadoes ripped through four states in four hours. And as I turned on the news, I saw some businesses were flattened and there were 100 people that worked in just one business alone and the lady said, you know, my business is gone, my house is here and my employees are alive and I kept thinking boy all those people are going to go through a tough time this Christmas so uh, let's just open in prayer and let's pray for our nation also okay Father, we come before you and we thank you for the country we live in. We thank you for the freedoms that we have to enjoy, just like gathering together and being able to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Father, we pray for our nation. There's a number of things that are going on and we could be here for hours talking about them, but we're not because we're going to talk about you. But we ask that you would come alongside of those who are going through a difficult time, uh, places where tornadoes have wiped out homes and businesses. We ask that you would bring organizations and people alongside of them to minister to them. I remember years ago, when eight years ago, there was something in Peoria where there were straight winds and a number of our men got in a van and went down and helped them. Now, Father, I know the Red Cross will be there. I know that Samaritan's Purse will be there. And I know that other organizations like the Salvation Army will be there. But, Father, we ask that you would provide and meet those needs. Now, right now, in this time that we have together, 
We ask that you would work in our hearts and our minds as we talk about the Christmas story, as we talk about angels. Father, we ask that you would just, you see our hearts, you see our needs. We ask that you would meet those needs. And then, Father, if there's someone here that has never established a relationship with you, we pray the Holy Spirit would work in each one of our hearts. But I pray that they would knock on their heart's door, that they might come to know Christ today. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, one of the best times of the year is Christmas, and then uh, the little kids were up here. You know, I saw some of them waving to their parents, and, you know, other ones were nudging each other and having a great time. And, you know, it brought back a lot of memories for me because my kids uh, went to uh, Temple Christian uh, Academy uh, when they were growing up, and then we always went to the year-end pro- Christmas program, you know, and I'll, I'll never forget, you know, as we were there, it's now called uh, Quad City Christian, but the kindergartners were up here in a line, uh, and there were about 10, 12, 13 of them, and uh, they were singing songs and everything, and, and their, Mrs. Bauer was leading them and everything, and then as she got done, she turned around to the crowd and she said, oh, we've had a great time in kindergarten this year, let me just tell you about a couple of things, and then all of a sudden, some of the people started snickering out in the crowd. And that was because she didn't see what was going on behind her because one kid went like this to another kid. And then that kid went back like this. And in a few minutes, they were wailing on each other. And I was just like, oh, wow. And then Mrs. Bauer turned around and went, oh, oh, oh. She didn't know what to do. Now, I know some of you out there are thinking, that was Ed's kids up there. And I'm sorry to disappoint you, it wasn't. And it wasn't Pastor Tim's either. (laughs) Those little angels were not angels at all. And I know uh, what some of you thought, that it was my kids, but hey, it wasn't. Now, years ago, also, Edgewood hosted a local Moody Bible Institute extension study class here at Edgewood. And one year, I was teaching a class on angels, Uh, That class attracted a lot of interest. I fielded phone calls, and I got a phone call from one woman who said, hey, I see angels all the time. And I went, now, uh, here's the thing. Um, It was a time, think about this, it was a time when Touched by an Angel was a popular show. I mean, the Wall Street Journal at that time carried an article that stated after a hiatus of 300 years and much skepticism, angels are making a comeback. I mean, all of a sudden you started seeing lapel uh, uh, lapel pins, angel cards. People couldn't seem to get enough of the celestial world. And, uh, you know, and then also there was an Angel Collectors Club of America Never heard of it in my life until I looked it up, and they reported hands down the champion of angel collectors was a woman from Beloit, Wisconsin. Her house was stuffed with 10,455 different angelic artifacts. Well, along with this interest in angels also comes a misunderstanding. 
The misunderstanding still continues, but you cannot tell the Christmas story without angels. They are literally hovering over the Christmas story. While the Christmas story is saturated with the supernatural, some of us miss the meaning, and we just kind of skim by this season on a superficial level. I want to suggest this morning that we must see the mysterious and the miraculous elements surrounding the birth of Jesus. In his book called Rumors of Another World, Philip Yancey writes, The Bible presents a view of reality that encompasses both the familiar visible world and an invisible world that coexists as kind of a parallel universe. You see, the supernatural star which led the wise men to Jesus gave way to a divine dream that warned them to go back by another route. I saw something on Facebook. Instead of calling them wise men, they called them wise women. Have you heard of that one? I mean, basically it said three wise women could have asked for direction. Arrived on time. Help deliver. Clean the stable. Make a casserole. <laughs> brought practical gifts and there would be peace on earth. Yeah, wow is right. In addition, angelic pronouncement permeated the landscape, appearing first to Zechariah then to Mary and Joseph, and then finally to the shepherds. And 2 Corinthians 4.18 challenges us to move our minds from this transitory world to a real world, uh, which we have different time seeing, a difficult time seeing. It says this in Scripture, As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Hey, you know, we live in one place, but we believe in another dimension. I'm reminded of the story in 2 Kings 6 when the angry army surrounded Elisha and his servant and the servant started to flip out uh, and so Elisha says in verse 16, don't be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And I picture the servant looking around and not seeing anything but an innumerable enemies. Then Elisha prays in verse 17, O Lord, please, open the eyes that he may see. So Lord, open the eyes of the young man. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. If we could pull back the curtain on the spirit world, we would see that this room's filled with intelligent, powerful beings. Now my prayer is that the Lord would open our eyes so that we would see what is ultimately important this morning. Angels appear in more than half of the books of the Bible, and there are over 300 total references. They have three primary responsibilities, and let me share those responsibilities with you. Number one, they magnify God. They magnify God. The number one job of an angel is to adore God. In Nehemiah 9, it says, You preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. You know, one of the most vivid, vivid pictures of praise is found in Revelation 5 and verse 11 and 12. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voices of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands and thousands saying in a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain 
to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Their first job is to magnify God. Their second job is they are messengers of God. The word angel as used in the Bible literally means messenger. Their job is to do what God wants them to do. Angel messengers basically convey two types of messages. Sometimes it's good news, like announcing the birth of Christ. But at other times, they bring bad news. When they serve in that capacity, they're not cute little cherubs that are like ornaments that hang on our Christmas trees. But in 2 Thessalonians 1, it says this, Since indeed God considered it just to repay with affliction those who afflicted you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. You know, the book of Revelation is filled with prophecies regarding the role of avenging angels, and it's, nothing, it, it's anything but pretty. But their job is to be messengers of God. The third thing is they minister to people. Hebrews 1.14 put its best. Are they not all ministering spirits sent to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation? And most of the time, angels are not seen. They minister behind the scenes. And yet on occasion they break into the world appearing for a short time to accomplish a specific purpose. The Bible mentions that when they do appear, they often look like humans. Here's what Hebrews 13.2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. It's quite possible to be face-to-face with an angel and not even know it. In fact... Maybe you're sitting one next to one right now. Go ahead, look. They're no angel. <laughs> and let me add this little tidbit on the side. When people die, they don't become angels. That's theologically true. So keep that in mind. Phil Yancey refers to a concept called thin places. When the natural and supernatural worlds come together at the narrowest point with only a tiny veil between them. And as we read the Christmas story, there are many of those thin places, particularly when the messengers from the angelic world make an appearance into the world. Not surprising, every time an angel shows up in the Advent adventure, human beings become very afraid. They're terrified by the messenger, and I mean, it's just like overwhelming. When the angel appears in Scripture, there's a sense of fear and wonder blasts through the, uh, the person who they're talking to. And actually, one of the functions of an angel, this is an awe-inspiring element which was built in uh, to the very worship fabric in ancient Israel. See, the Ark of the Covenant had two cherubs carved into it. Uh, the idea is that God is surrounded by powerful be- beings. The prophets like Isaiah came face to face with a seraphim who cried out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Uh, With the doorpost shaking, the temple filled with smoke, Isaiah cried out in fear, Woe is me. My guess is that many of us are afraid about something this morning. You know, on 65 different occasions, the Bible tells us, Fear not. And let's see how these messages to Mary 
and the Joseph and the shepherds can minister to us today. And I'm grateful for Pastor Leith Anderson and for some of his insights. Let's take a look at three different angelic encounters that intersect the Christmas story to help us ultimately realize uh, some of the things about angels. And number one is this, don't be afraid of God's purposes in our lives. The first messenger was one of the big guns of the Bible. His name was Gabriel, and one of only two named angels in the Bible. The other one was, yes, wow, what an astute crowd. His first assignment, uh, uh, the, his first assignment that, that we know about came uh, when he called to interpret the dream for the prophet Daniel in Daniel chapter 9. Then Gabriel disappears for about 600 years until he appears to a young teenage peasant girl named Mary. And we're familiar with the story. And it says in Luke chapter 1, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled by the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said, Do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, therefore, will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, how and the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who has been called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God." Gabriel had the privilege of announcing the most astonishing news ever. God was going to send his son to earth. I wonder if Gabriel questioned why God would want to accomplish his purposes through such an unlikely person. She was young in a culture that respected older people. Uh, she was poor. Uh, she lived in an isolated village. But don't you love how God chooses to use people who you and I probably would never pick. But Mary's terrified. She's agitated at this moment of this announcement because she doesn't understand why God would want to accomplish his purposes through her. I think she was probably afraid of this mighty messenger and dumbfounded by the message. But Gabriel must have seen the fear in her eyes. And he said, Do not be afraid. He knew her fear could keep her from responding in faith. So his task was to tame her trembling heart. And then he explained what was going to happen as best he could, and Mary asked a very natural question, and Gabriel responded with the mystery of how a virgin could become pregnant with the Son of God. Mary didn't understand and this any more than we can explain it. Gabriel reminds Mary of the miraculous pregnancy of Elizabeth and then makes this statement that we need to hold on today to today for nothing will be impossible with God. 
And as Mary's eyes are drawn to the power of God and away from her situation, she's able to respond in faith because here's what she said. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary was ready to respond choosing faith over fear. What about us? What are you choosing today? What fear is keeping you back? Because nothing's impossible with God. He can do the improbable with an insignificant people like you and me. The second point is this. Don't be afraid when everything seems to go wrong. Joseph needed some divine intervention after he found out Mary was pregnant. He knew he wasn't the father. He, he wanted to, uh, to settle down into a, his carpentry business, get married, build a home, and pass on the tradition to his children. But now things are kind of falling apart. You know, his, his plans that he had are all blown up. I mean, then he's worried about his reputation was on the line. His fiance had let him down. What was he going to do? Because he was a righteous man. But he determined to end the engagement as quietly as he could. Instead of trying to get even, he wanted to do the right thing. He was dazed, probably wanted to crawl into a hole and avoid dealing with the overwhelming problem. But in the midst of his misery, Joseph gets a visit. In Matthew 1, it says this, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded he took his wife. This unnamed angel fills in the blanks for Joseph, but first he settles Joseph's anxious heart by saying, do not fear. Amazingly, he's being asked to raise a child that's not his. And he gives a glimpse of the glory of the child as the angel tells him this boy will be the Savior. Fulfilling the prophecy from Isaiah chapter 7, then Joseph moves from Fear to faith. And when he read, then we read this. And he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. You know, life for the last 21 months has kind of been out of control for us. And we've had things that have caused us to lose sleep. And maybe your dreams have been destroyed and problems have been insurmountable. But does everything seem to be going wrong? Well, one of the things I want you to do is I want you to hold on to hope. Emmanuel will be with you always, no matter what happens. God will work everything out for His glory, for your good. You see, in Romans chapter 8, it says this, And we know that for those who love God, for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. What God wants us to do is to be obedient like Joseph was. He wants us to serve Him in the midst of the storm, to love Him even when we feel like everything's lost, and to trust Him during all the trials and tribulations that come into our lives. 
Joseph actually had two more encounters with angels. And like the first time, he chose faith over fear. In Matthew chapter 2, in the beginning of verse 13 and 14, it says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. Joseph had some get up and go. And his response was identical the same time later when the angelic council came again where it said, and he was obedient, and he said he arose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. Don't be afraid when life throws you curves. Choose faith over fear. And when God makes it clear what you're supposed to do, and you're sure he's the one that's telling you that, get up and go. The third aspect is this, don't be afraid of good news. The final exhibit of the angel's intervention takes place when God rocks the routine of some guys who are out just doing their job. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. In the midst of the mundane, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared. Into the darkness of a silent night became the brightest of the glory of the Lord, and I'm sure that they were kind of rubbing their eyes, and they were shaking in their sandals. I know, that's not that funny. In fact, the phrase filled with great fear means that they were alarmed and they were agitated. And the angel said to them, fear not. Uh, Once again, the angel has to tell humans to chill out. Uh, The reason they did not need to be afraid is because the messenger were bringing good news. Good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger's. You know, as the shepherds were trying to handle that message, uh, you know, they were kind of taken back, and, and suddenly there was with an The angels, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. That word suddenly means the heavenly host came unexpectedly. And I imagine the sky filled with multitude of messengers. And the phrase heavenly host refers to the Lord's army in other passages of Scripture. And by the way, while angels do sing in other instances, this time they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. After witnessing this incredible display of unbridled adoration and praise, the shepherds had to move on. When the angels went away, they went into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. They discussed what they should do and were unanimous in their decision to go ahead to Bethlehem. And you know, in verse 16, because it shows their fear had been replaced by faith, Then their faith went to their feet, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. There was no delay. The word haste carries with it the idea of speed. Then the shepherds became messengers of the message that they received from the angel. And when they had sought, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
with hearts filled with gratitude. These men broke into praise. And the angels returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen and had been told to them. You know, God may be trying to break into your ordinary routine with the message of the good news. He loves you. He sent His Son, Jesus, to be your Savior. Now, one of the things is, how long will you ignore Emmanuel? When will you hurry to the Holy One? He wants to bring joy in the midst of all the junk that's going on in your life. And will you receive what He has done for you? Will you put your feet to your faith? There were angels everywhere, and I believe they're still doing God's work today. But whether we see an angel or hear an angel today doesn't really matter. What matters most is God's message and responding in faith. And so let me just review a little bit. Number one, I want you to remember, angels never take the place of a Bible. The Bible. When, when they give the message from God, angels never supersede Scripture or contradict the Bible. Angels had a part in delivering sections of the Bible, therefore, and would never say anything against it. Deuteronomy 33.2 tells us the myriads of holy messengers came down on Mount Sinai when God gave the law to Moses. And the entire book of Revelation is mostly like the result of angelic messages. In Revelation 1.1, he made it known by sending his angels to his servant John. Then in the last chapter of Revelation, a curse is pronounced on anyone who adds or takes away from the words of the book. Don't look to angels or anyone else for that matter to provide you with new messages from God. Everything God wants you to know is found right here. Right here. Angels never take the place of the Bible. Angels never take the place of God the Father. God's good angels refuse to be worshipped. In Revelation 22, the Apostle John is overcome by all that he'd heard and seen. And then it says, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel, but he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers and the prophets and those who kept the word of this book. Worship God. Good angels never draw attention to themselves. Uh, They can get our attention, but they always point us to who? God, they always point us to God, not to themselves. And when biblical angels discharge their duty and deliver their tidings, they withdraw from human contact. They don't stay longer because they don't want us to focus on them. They want us to focus on God. One other thought with this regards, angels are not to be prayed to. They may help deliver answers to prayer, but the Bible never suggests that we should direct our requests to them. Angels never Never take the place of God the Father. And then the third one. Angels never take the place of Jesus. Angels are not the go-between for us. In 1 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. In this whole scheme of things, Jesus is center stage. Angels are just the supporting cast. Like fans of a famous actor, 1 Peter 1.12 says, Things into which angels long to look that Jesus has accomplished. The picture here is that angels are kind of bending over, trying to peer, in, peer, peer into the truth of salvation through Jesus. And they're intrigued by the whole idea of redemption. Christmas cannot be explained apart from the thin places. Ray Pritchard put it strongly, if you take the supernatural out of Christianity, all you have 
is a religious book club. Let me summarize a couple of things that we've just learned. Number one, don't be afraid of God's purposes. When Mary got the news that God's purpose is for her life, and she said, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I guess the question is, are you ready to surrender to whatever God wants for your life? Two is, don't be afraid when some, everything seems to go wrong. Uh, Joseph's world and his expectations were turned around. I don't know about you, but do you like change? I don't think anybody likes change, except maybe a baby. You caught on. But here's the thing. Life changes over and over and over again. But Joseph's world was turned upside down, but here's what he said. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he rose, and he rose again in Matthew twenty-two twenty-one. What are we going to do? Are we going to stew or are we going to get up and do what's right? That's something that we need to process ourselves. And then third, don't be afraid of the good news. God is giving you a gift this Christmas and he wants you to respond by receiving it. The shepherds could have ignored the good news, but uh, they they were moved by the majesty of the glory of God. Do you know that angels like to party? You know, when you read all these stories, you kind of think, man, they're kind of boring, and, you know, what are they actually doing all the time? And, but, uh, hey, look, at uh, they can be spontaneous, and, and they can have some fun. And, and, and so as servants uh, and messengers to people, uh, one of the things is, is that here's one of the things. It says this in Luke 15.10. It describes how they begin to party, and it's this, I tell you there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Whenever an individual repents of sin and receives Jesus into his life, the angels break out into a wild party. They magnify God and minister to us in far greater worlds once they respond, once we respond to the message, the good news of the great joy. What about you? Angels are cheering us on this morning. Uh, They want you to surrender your life to Christ's leadership. All the plans are set for a big celebration. They're just waiting for you to respond to the invitation. Angels are waiting even more for you to make. Uh, They know the spiritual condition of your soul, and and they're anxious for you to repent and to receive Christ for salvation before it's too late. You see, they know what lies ahead for all of us. They understand the joy and the rewards that wait for us, for our faith in Christ, and they know the harsh reality of hell for those who choose not to. To receive Christ. Do you want a party thrown for you in honor of you in heaven? Do you want angels to rejoice? Then engage your will. Receive the free gift of Jesus Christ. Then not only will you know more about the angels out in the field, you will have Jesus in you. Emmanuel, who will always be with you. Each and every one of us God knocks on our heart door. Now, as I look out, I know that a number of you have put your trust and faith in Christ. And that's great. That's the most important decision you can ever make. But then, Christ wants you to follow Him. He has jobs for you to do. And I hope you're doing it. And then, there might be someone here today that has never put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that we're sinners in need of a Savior. That Savior is Jesus Christ who lived a perfect life. 
He died, was buried, and rose again. When He was buried, He carried our sins far away. And He wants a relationship with you. Because life's difficult. You matter to God. Now I want you to know in a moment, Chastity's going to come and she's going to share. Um, the, it's called The Visited Planet by J.B. Phillips. But let me just pray for you this morning before she comes. Father, as Chastity comes, we just ask that you would work in our hearts and minds. Father, for those of us who know you as Savior, we ask that you would just stir our hearts and that, Father, that you would help us to be found faithful doing what you want us to do. There are so many different avenues that we can serve you, but, Father, if there's someone here that doesn't know Christ, may they come to know Christ. Father, all they have to do is ask you and acknowledge to you that they're sinners and Christ to come into their lives. And then you won't leave them that way. You'll work with them until they become more like Christ. Father, thank you for each person who's here today. You see our hearts. You see our needs. Work in our lives. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I want to read to you a story by J.B. Phillips called The Visited Planet. The story is a meditation on these two passages of Scripture. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Peter says, concerning this salvation, the prophets searched intently and with greatest care to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when they predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Even the angels longed to look into these things. Once upon a time, a very young angel was being shown around the splendors and the glories of the universe by a senior and experienced angel. And to tell the truth, the little angel was beginning to be tired and a little bored. He had been shown whirling galaxies, blazing suns, infinite distances in the deathly cold of the interstellar space. And to his mind, there seemed to be an awfully lot of it all. Finally, he was shown the galaxy of which our planetary system is but a small part. And the two of them drew near to the star which we call our sun and its circling planets. And the senior angel pointed to a small and rather insignificant sphere turning very slowly on its axis. It looked as dull and dirty as a little tennis ball to the angel whose mind was filled with the size and the glory of all he had just seen. I want you to watch that one particularly, said the senior angel, pointing with his finger. Well, it looks very small and rather dirty to me, said the little angel. What's so special about that one? That, replied the senior solemnly, is the visited planet. Visited, said the little one. You don't mean visited by, indeed I do. That ball, which I have no doubt looks to you small and insignificant and not perhaps over clean, has been visited by our young prince of glory. And at these words, he bowed his head reverently. But how, queried the younger one, do you mean that our great and glorious prince with all these wonders and splendors of his creations and millions more that I'm sure I haven't even seen yet went down in person to this fifth-rate little ball? Why would he do a thing like that? 
It isn't for us, said his senior a little stiffly, to question his whys, except that I must point out to you that he is not impressed by size and numbers, as you seem to be, but that he really went, I know, and all of us in heaven who know anything know that. As to why he became one of them, how else do you suppose he could visit them? The little angel wrinkled his face in disgust. Do you mean to tell me that he stooped so low as to become one of these creeping, crawling creatures on that floating ball? I do. And I don't think he would like you to call them creeping, crawling creatures with that tone of voice. For strange as it may seem to us, he loves them. He went down to visit them, to lift them up to become like him. The little angel looked blank. Such a thought was almost beyond his comprehension. Close your eyes for a moment, said the senior angel, and we will go back in what they call time. While the little angel's eyes were closed and the two of them moved nearer to the spinning ball, it stopped its spinning. It spun backwards quite fast for a while and then slowly resumed its usual rotation. Now look. And as the little angel did what he was told, there appeared here and there on the dull surface of the little globe flashes of light. Some merely moments, and some persisting for quite some time. Well, what am I seeing now, queried the little angel. You are watching this world as it was some thousands of years ago, returned his companion. Every flash and glow of light that you see is something of the Father's knowledge and wisdom breaking into the minds and hearts of people who live on earth. Not many people, as you can see, hear his voice or understand what he says, even though he is speaking gently and quietly to them all the time. (laughs) Why are they so blind and deaf and stupid? Asked the junior angel rather crossly. It is not for us to judge them. We who live in the splendor have no idea what it is like to live in the dark. We hear the music and the voice like the sound of many waters every day of our lives. But to them... There is much darkness and much noise and much distraction upon the earth. Only a few who are quiet and humble and wise hear his voice. But watch, for in a moment you will see something truly wonderful. The earth went on turning and circling around the sun, and then quite suddenly, in the upper half of the globe, there appeared a light, tiny, but so bright in its intensity that both angels hid their eyes. I think I can guess, said the little angel in a low voice. That was the visit, wasn't it? Yes, that was the visit. The light himself went down there and lived among them. But in a moment, you will be able to tell, even with your eyes closed, that the light will go out. But why? Could he not bear their darkness and stupidity? Did he have to return up here? No, that was not it, returned the senior angel, his voice stern and sad. They failed to recognize him for who he was, or at least only a handful knew him. For the most part, they preferred their darkness to his light, and in the end, they killed him. Those fools, those crazy fools, they don't deserve, neither you nor I, nor any other angel knows what they are foolish and why they were so wicked, nor can we say what they deserve or don't deserve. But the fact remains, they killed our prince of glory while he was man amongst them. Well, I suppose that was the end. I see the whole earth has gone black and dark. All right, I won't judge them. But surely judgment is all they can expect. Wait, we are still far from the end of the story of the visited planet. Watch now, but be ready to cover your eyes again. In utter blackness, the earth turned round for three days, and then there blazed with unbearable radiance a single point of light. What now? asked the angel, shielding his eyes. They killed him all right, but he conquered death. 
The thing most of them dread and fear all their lives, he broke and conquered. He rose again, and a few of them saw him and from then on became his utterly devoted slaves. Well, thank God for that, said the little angel. Amen. Open your eyes now. The dazzling light has gone. The prince has returned to his home of light. But watch the earth now. And as they looked, in place of the dazzling light, there was a bright glow which throbbed and pulsated. And then as the earth turned slowly, many times, little points began to spread out all over. Some flickered and died, but for the most part, the lights burned steady. And as they continued to watch, in many parts of the globe, there was a glow over many areas. You see what is happening, asked the senior angel. The bright glow is the company of loyal men and women he left behind. And with his help, they spread the glow, and now lights begin to shine all over the earth. Yes, yes, said the little angel impatiently, but how does it end? Will the lights join up with each other? Will it all be light as it is in heaven? The senior angel shook his head. We don't know. It is in the Father's hands. Sometimes it is agony to watch. Sometimes it is joy unspeakable. The end is not yet, but now I am sure you can see why this little ball is so important. He has visited it. He is working out his plan upon it. Yes, I see. I don't understand, but I will never forget that this is the visited planet. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will walk in the light of life. Let's bow our heads. Lord, Father God, you are creator of the immense Uh, universe upon universe upon universe, and it is more than we can fathom. And yet you left your home of lights to come and walk in a human body on this filthy little planet with us. We are so grateful for your sacrifice. Come out of your love for each person in this room, each person in this world. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for what you have done for us. Thank you for the many faithful followers who have passed the light on from one generation to the next. Lord, as we look out and live our lives through this Christmas season, there are those that are walking in darkness, our family, our coworkers, our neighborhoods. And Lord, you have put the light in us who have said yes to you. I pray that we will shine that light brightly. I pray, Lord, that you are working in the hearts of our loved ones and those we are encountering. I pray that you are, will open doors for each person in this room and that when the door is open, their mouth will be opened. With moving from fear into faith, Lord, I pray that your light and your glory will shine out brightly. Holy Spirit, guide us this Christmas season to make moments where the, where the light can shine through. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Go let your light shine this week.